Warning. Although this week's Union Dues story is part of the young adult Team Shikaragaki story arc, it contains mature themes, some violence, and some profanity. If that's not to your taste, then skip to the outro for an important Union Dues announcement. Escape Pod 233 January 8th, 2009 Today's story, Union News, The Threnody of Johnny Taruko, by Jeffrey Ardrigo Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely. It's our first story of the new year, and we have a Union News piece. Regular listeners will know that this is Jeff Dorigo's superhero universe, in a world where the hero's structure of power is not only not on our side, it's usually not on theirs. So we present The Threnody of Johnny Taruko by Jeffrey R. Dorigo. Mr. Dorigo lives in New Hampshire with his wife and two kids. You may recall that in late 2008, he suffered a heart attack, and we raised funds to help his family as he recovered from bypass surgery. I suspect it's for that reason, because of listener support, that he wanted me to put in his bio that in 2009 he's logged over 300 days at the gym and has run eight 5K road races. So he's completely turned his health around, and he's writing more than ever in the Union Dues series and his Pleasant Hollow post-apocalyptic stories. This week's story is an Escape Pod original, and as part of the Team Shikaragaki subseries, about a group of teenage supers who play themselves on TV. Sort of. Some of the earlier stories in this series were run on the terrific ClonePod podcast at clonepod.org, so check them out for the full picture. Meanwhile, you're wanted in makeup. It's story time. Union Dues, The Threnody of Johnny Taruko, by Jeffrey R. Dorigo. We're being fit for new costumes today. I can't remember why we have to change our look. It might have been a plot thing in the books. Or it could be a way to keep the Team Shikaragaki brand fresh. I haven't been following the storylines because we haven't done much performing over the last month or so. Tam's trial has overshadowed everything, but he and Miss Jennifer are back with us, even if they haven't talked about what happened. I guess it's all blown over, so maybe this trip isn't just, like, a costume thing. Maybe it's more like a celebration or something. I'll try to think about it that way. I glanced down at what should be my white tights with blue accents, but I forgot that we're all in street clothes. The rest of the team is stunned at the size and scope of New York City, home of both Atom Comics and Slinger Toys, the union's two principal license holders. Oh my god, are we going to spend all freaking day here? Kitty paces the little waiting room, stops every ten or so seconds, then starts again. It's not like she can help it. Kitty is super agile and can't sit still for more than a few minutes. Just relax. Sheesh. TK crosses her legs and flips through a two-month-old copy of Cool Persons magazine. She glances up every now and then from the featured photo spread and obituary retrospective of her mother, Daphne Sanders. TK has been touchy, and it's literally thrown a foul mood over the whole team. Even Miss Jennifer, who usually puts up with our antics without complaining, has been snappy. The wide-frosted doors swing open, and Tam backs into the waiting room. His shoulders almost brush against both sides of the doorframe. He looks even bigger than I remember. My heart flutters a little when he turns around, but I cough a few times to drive the nervousness away. I'm supposed to be the playboy of Team Shikaragaki, 
You know, the one who gets into all the romantic entanglements with disguised alien assassins and innocent girls from rival schools who later turn out to be demons or aliens bent on world domination. That's me and the books. What do you think? Tam spins slowly, showing the first of the new costume designs. Rather than a white unitard and half-face mask with our signature colors splashed here and there to make them distinctive, this uniform is all green, Tam's color, with yellow, pink, and blue highlights to represent each of us on the team. I don't know, he says and stares in the mirror. I like the old ones better. You're just used to the old ones. TK drops the magazine and slowly inspects the new uniform. No armor, huh? Figures. These are just prototypes, I think, Tam answers. I think you look awesome, Tam. I try to hide the blush in my voice. Thanks, buddy. Tam's smile lights up the room for a second. I wasn't sure at first, but... Why are they rebraiding us? TK cuts in. Rebranding, Kitty. Whatever, rebranding then, why? What's the point? It's not like fewer kids were showing up at the shows. And besides, I like the one underneath and the color on top, not the other way around. Miss Jennifer slips in while we all study Tam's costume. So, she says, a little more colorful? And a lot more awful, Kitty snaps. Why can't we just stay the way we are? Jeez, I was just getting comfortable. Because the audience expects changes every so often, and we have to accommodate them. Miss Jennifer doesn't have to wear the new duds. She gets to stay in her phony schoolteacher getup. And there's a new line of toys coming out for the holidays. New colors means a new reason to buy. All of the other suits are variations on these. Adam Comics will send a set of the suits to Hollywood for the show once we make a decision. I don't know if I like the black. Marketing thought. More color, more pop. Thoughts? She looks at each of us. I'd like to pop them. Kitty folds her arms and pouts. Do we at least get to keep our boots? New boots, too. I hate this! My new ones better be pink! Miss Jennifer sighs, and I can tell she's suppressing the urge to snap at Kitty, but she turns her fury to the telepath. TK, why don't you go for a walk? Get a coffee or some goddamn thing. Your leakage isn't making this any easier. She starts to massage her temples. Fine. TK strides towards the door and pauses. Johnny, want to come with? Not really. Go with her. Just get a few blocks away so I can freaking think straight, okay? Come back in an hour. Don't go near the New York Pyramid. If someone in the regular union sees you, my ass is grass. TK and I answer in stereo. Understood. How come they get to leave and I have to stay here? Kitty waves her arms as she pleads. Miss Jennifer answers, Your fitting is next. Kitty groans and drops into a chair. This is so unfair! We hit the street and head north. TK starts laughing as soon as we hit the sidewalk. I keep silent and shove my hands deep into my blue hoodie's front pocket. I keep the hood up and wear sunglasses. I don't have any hair at all, and the normals tend to stare. They draw me with a mop of black hair in the books, and I have to have a wig sewn into the top of my face mask to keep the illusion for the fans. But in street clothes, it's different. I thought of getting eyebrows tattooed on, but Kitty said it would make me look funny. As if I'm not funny-looking enough already? I'm glad you came with me, Johnny. TK slows some, then checks over her shoulder to ensure Miss Jennifer isn't watching, then lights a cigarette. One more minute in that waiting room and I was going to go postal. A wave of calmness washes over me, and I realize it's not my calm. 
You know you're projecting, right? She nods. Sorry. The calmness dissipates. Ever since Texas, I've been struggling. Sarah Bellum in L.A. tried to work me through it, but... I know. I need more downtime. Two months in a non-moving home and marketing and promotions summons us to the Big Apple? Nice. I feel bad because you're all suffering for it. The rage is so strong, it's like a wild animal throwing itself against a leash. We've been through a lot lately. TK's guilt gnaws at the pit of my stomach, just for a second, then vanishes. I wish we were back in L.A. I at least felt a little at home there. She pauses and stares at me for a second. Hey, aren't you from the city? She waves her arms to emphasize this city. I watch the skyline of building roofs stretch down to the cross block, then further down towards the horizon. I answer, Yeah, I grew up northwest of the Adam Comics offices at the Polo Grounds projects on 110th and Lenox Streets. No way! TK slaps my shoulder and smiles so wide it lights up the shadows. My mom probably still lives there. I drop my eyes to the sidewalk because it's easier to look down than think about life before the Union. Let's go see. What? No. The city isn't some big exciting mystery to me. In fact, given the choice, I'd have stayed in L.A. and let Miss Jennifer and you guys handle the costume crap. Even if my mother was here and I knew where she was, I wouldn't be all psyched up for a visit. I didn't leave on the best of terms. None of us did. You don't know the half of it, believe me. We head up Broadway into a flood of people. The sidewalks were almost always shadowed and mixed in with the smell of diesel and car exhaust is a smell that lingers only in cities, a weird human sort of smell that hangs in the shadows like a ghost. It's easy to forget how many people live and work in Manhattan when you leave. TK stops just as we pass a storefront coffee shop. She walks backwards like a cartoon character and nearly barks, Coffee! I duck through the door behind her. The place is jammed with customers. You have any money? I didn't think to ask Miss Jennifer for any. TK answers, Don't worry, just tell me what you want. Large with extra sugar and cream. TK grins and focuses her attention on the line of people stretching from the entrance down to the counter. They all sidestep, and she walks unimpeded to the front of the pack. One large plaque, and one large with extra sugar and cream. The barista, a girl of about 18, repeats the order in a flat monotone. And these are on the house. Everyone gets free coffee for the next two hours. Free for everyone, the clerk answers, and then puts our order together. TK snickers and hands the coffee over. You shouldn't do that. She rolls her eyes. You grew up around here, right? She pauses at the corner. I sip the drink and try to pretend I wasn't listening. Come on, Johnny. I took you guys around L.A. Let's walk up to your old stomping grounds. It's too far. We'll take a cab, then, or the train. I told you I don't have any money. TK fumbles a wad of bills from her pocket. My treat. No. I'm restless and getting angry now, and realize it's my anger this time. She should have just paid for the drinks. If Miss Jennifer knew she'd messed around like that with the normals, we'd all be in deep trouble. Why don't you just drop it, okay? Oh, fine, whatever. At least let's go to the park. I love Central Park. We'll be in sight of the pyramid. Jeez, just come on. TK grabs my upper arm and drags me back into the foot traffic. We pass a line of taxicabs, hot dog vendors, and huge waves of normals on the long walk north. 
Each step closer to polo grounds makes me more jittery. I used to play soccer in Central Park, and when I cut school, would hang around near one of the duck ponds. Sometimes I'd meet up with some of the other outcast boys and spend the day doing next to nothing. The green stretches so far I almost can't see the end of it. A group of teenagers play soccer a few hundred yards away. People sunbathe on towels. Someone has set up a couple of volleyball nets. Dozens of hot dog and ice cream vendors wheel along the asphalt pathways. I'm feeling better already, TK says, and flops down on the grass. New York is way better than Chicago. I sit beside her. Why's that? I don't know. New York seems friendlier, I guess. I've never been out of the pyramid in Chicago. TK props up on one elbow. You know, neither have I. Maybe I should take back what I said then? I shrug. I've got nothing invested in either place. We sit in silence for a few minutes and watch the normals. The park is pretty busy, even for lunchtime. I try not to stare at anyone, but my eyes keep slipping over to a gang of older teens playing volleyball in the grass. One of the boys is tall and lithe with little shorts. He sort of looks like Tam, without the 300 pounds of muscle mass. Our communicators buzz simultaneously. TK here, go. Johnny here, go. You'd think the Union, with all their money, would use modern technology for communications and stuff, but they don't. We're walkie-talkie heroes in a cell phone world. Miss Jennifer confiscated our prepaid phones after an appearance at the Missouri State Fair, and we haven't stopped long enough to replace them yet. But there's a cell phone place pretty much every two doors in the city. There's been an incident. I need you both to reconnoiter the New York Pyramid. Inner City has served warrants on Chicago, Dallas, and Boston. Warrants? Like, arrest warrants? TK glances at me, then focuses back on her communicator. Unknown, but Smart Money says that's exactly what they are. We knew there would be fallout after Tam's trial, but no one thought it would come so quickly. The luminaries have called the tribunal together. New York City still maintains a civil police force, so Intercity doesn't operate in Manhattan. But that doesn't mean plainclothes private security aren't watching. TK, read anyone suspicious. Johnny, you're there in case things go wrong. Under no circumstances will either of you enter the pyramid grounds. Team Shikaragaki's freedom is our greatest asset right now. What about you and the others? I mean, you can't just stay at Adam Comics and model new clothes, right? TK's voice wavers slightly, as if she's afraid of the answer. I've got communication established with New York and Salt Lake City. You two are up to this. I wouldn't give you the orders if I didn't think so. There's a jet on the way from Boston with orders to swoop down and grab us if necessary, but I don't want it to be necessary. Understand? TK and I answer simultaneously. Roger. Okay, the world is seriously screwed up. I stuff my hands into the front pocket of my hoodie and we start off towards the pyramid. The pointy top spears at the blue sky and looks weirdly out of place among all the rectangle-shaped buildings. The purple lights of the jump jet hangar make the place look like a big, scary, weird robot thing that just watches everyone in the city at once. A pair of black-and-white police cruisers scream along in the distance just beyond the tree-lined edge of the park. I can't see them, but the echo of their sirens is unmistakable. I glance at TK, and we stop for a second. A little crowd of normals are gathered together while someone sets up to take their picture. TK moves in close enough to almost appear in the photo, then circles back and joins me on the walkway. Family trip, she says. We repeat the maneuver a dozen more times, 
and she comes back with a dozen nothings. We report each one to an increasingly relaxed Miss Jennifer. She calls us back in, but says we don't have to rush. Are you hungry? I mean, we haven't eaten since breakfast, and I could use a burger or something. I'm hungry, sure. I'll even pay with money. I smile. I was nervous about her being too showy, but her saying she'd use cash lets me relax just a little. Wow, who knew Miss Jennifer would set up our first date? It's not a date. Sheesh. Shame. TK slips her arm around mine, and we stroll back to the sidewalk and head north. I always hoped the romantic hero of Team Shikaragaki would ask me out so I could swoon all over the place and be the envy of every 13-year-old girl on Earth. She cracks up laughing. I'm only as romantic as the writers make me. They do a pretty good job. Or you do an even better job being what they wrote. She pauses for a second. Seriously, you're good at this. At what? At being Johnny Taruko. You never break character. I like being special. I suppress a blush. And I wasn't special before. Before what? Being in the Union or being in Team Shikaragaki? I don't know. Both, I guess. I'd rather serve with you guys than with a regular team, though, any day. She's silent for a minute while we pass the duck ponds. All of us, or... Never mind. What? TK wraps her arms across her chest. No. Forget I said anything. I freeze for a second. The revelation comes on slow, but in the back of my mind her voice dissipates like a foggy whisper. Tam, it says. Then, oh crap, this is going to get complicated. The last words sound less like something a human would say and more like a weird hiss. The revelation hits me like a fist. Oh God, you read me? You freaking read me? I knew it! Whatever's going on in my head is my business and no one else's. Not yours, not Tam's, not Miss Jennifer's. She looks at the ducks and nods at me and says, I didn't want to know, but all of a sudden it was just there, and I knew, and it, but I didn't know. I mean, I didn't look on purpose. Honest. My fingertips begin to tingle. That's none of your business. This isn't some comic book love triangle, TK. But we've all seen the way you look at him, and... Bullshit! You said yourself that I am damn good at being Johnny Taruko. I fight every day to keep my wits about this, and you're going to ruin it all because you're goddamn nosy! I can't change who I am just like I can't change being what I am. You should know that! She starts to cry. I didn't mean it. Then why did you say anything? I mean, it's not like I don't trust you, or didn't, but... No, no, it's not like that, Johnny. TK throws her hands up. I didn't go snooping, it just sort of radiated out. I didn't mean to see. Don't blame me for this. You'd rather I just carried this? Carried your feelings around without telling you? What's worse, knowing and not saying, or telling you and apologizing? I don't want you to be mad at me, but I figure you'll be mad at me for less time if I tell you. My arms begin to numb up, legs too. I'm pulling a few thousand volts, and I have to put it somewhere before the charge cooks my insides. I want to tell her that it's okay, but I can't, like I don't have the right words. My throat closes up, and tears blur my vision. I manage to scream, Leave me alone! And I sprint off. I don't even try to bring the tears under control anymore. TK runs behind. I feel her in my mind, 
begging me to stop running, asking me to forgive her. But, and I only notice it for a second, she isn't making me forgive her or influencing me so that I stop running. I slow down just a little, and her fingers snag my left hand. A light like a camera flash bursts. An immediate crack of thunder echoes through Central Park, and TK drops motionless to the ground. I run two or three more steps before my body realizes what my brain already knows. Come on, TK. Don't fool around. Oh, God. Oh, God. What did I do? Come on. Get up. This isn't funny. Fine. I accept your apology. Whatever. Just get up. TK doesn't move. Smoke rises slowly from her scalp and fills the air with the stink of burned hair. Her eyes are wide open and stare into the featureless blue sky. Panic hits me with the same speed and force as one of Kitty's flying scissor kicks. I run so fast that the park blurs into little more than a green smear. I see Tam there, smiling, warm, his arms open. He tells me it's not my fault. He fades away, and I see the others. A dozen bodies in white robes, all dead, just like T.K. Smoke rises from them, too, just like T.K. The park fades, and suddenly I'm kneeling in the aisle of Brother Alfred's run-down storefront church. Electrocuted corpses lay in a semicircle around me. I ran then. I ran as fast and as far as my legs would go. I leap up and run again. No! I stop and turn around. TK is still there, still dead. I killed her just like... No. She killed herself. She shouldn't have read me. She shouldn't have touched me. No. Blame won't help. I'm not running this time. I throw myself at the ground and tumble across the grass. The impact breaks my panic. I take two breaths and sprint back to the bushes where TK lays. I drop beside her and place my ear on her chest. No movement. No heartbeat. Oh, God! I killed TK! I kneel beside her and whisper, TK, TK, come back. I'm sorry. I shouldn't keep secrets. I promise never to keep secrets again. I check her neck artery, but there's no pulse. Remember. Remember the CPR classes. You trained for this. My mind reels, panic-stricken, and can't remember the steps. Breathe first, then pump chest, or the other way around. Call Miss Jennifer. She'll know what to do. Once you start CPR, you can't stop. I hit the communicator emergency beacon. Miss Jennifer here, go! It's TK. She's... she's down. I can't wake her up. I... she's down. I don't listen for a reply, but lean in close and cover TK's mouth with mine and fill her lungs with air. My body starts the CPR automatically. The union must have imprinted it in training, because God knows I don't even recognize what I'm doing. My fingers find her sternum and move up three inches while I breathe for her again, then start compressions. Johnny? Johnny, answer me. I'm... 13. Doing. 14. CPR. 15. Check for heartbeat. Nothing. Check for breathing. Nothing. God damn it, TK! Wake up! My fingers begin to tingle. I'm panicking again, and I can't control the electricity well when I panic. Wait. Calm down. I breathe for her again. Nothing. No heartbeat. Nothing. I tear her sweatshirt back and put both hands on her chest. Just a little zap. Just a little one, Johnny. You can do this. I discharge about 500 volts into TK. She arches up off the ground, then slumps back down again. 
A couple passing by see us there, me with my hands on TK's breasts and her T-shirt jerked up to her neck. The woman screams, Oh my God, what are you doing? She's not breathing. Help me. I turn back to TK and fill her lungs twice more, then return to compressing her chest. The man pulls a cell phone from his pocket and dials 911. Go for the police, in the middle of the park. The woman runs off while screaming for help. I put another 500 volts into TK. This time, she moans. Her head lolls from one side to the other, and she blinks. I wrap my arms around her head and start to cry. Oh man, that hurt, she whispers and tries to struggle to her feet. Stay down. Calm down. Let me make sure you're okay. We're going to be in big, bad trouble. She shakes me off and staggers to her knees. You okay, miss? The man reaches for her arm. I'll be fine. I just need to catch my breath. She turns and smiles at him. It's nothing. Really, she says. He repeats, nothing, really, then tumbles backwards into the dirt. Get me out of here, Johnny. TK wobbles to her feet and pulls the communicator to her lips. TK here. Cancel medevac. Johnny panicked when I passed out. I... I'm just hungry or something. What happened, TK? I guess I skipped breakfast. Just a little lightheaded is all. Really, I'm fine. Stay put. Let the medevac get you. Honestly, I'm okay. I'll have someone look me over once we're back at the pyramid. TK leans on a tree and pants between sentences. This is going to cause problems if word gets out. Miss Jennifer is silent for a second, then says, Acknowledged. Miss Jennifer, wait! We need to get her to a doctor! TK silences me with an angry glance. TK out! The whine of an ambulance shatters the conversation. What do we do? This guy called 911 when I was doing CPR. Leave him! Come on! TK staggers off into the park with me in pursuit. Within a hundred feet, she's walking almost normally, but her face is pale gray and her eyes don't look like they can focus right. I need a drink of water or something, Johnny. Get me somewhere I can sit. The ambulance screeches to a stop right by where we left the Good Samaritan. We have to get away from here. I take her arm and help her to the sidewalk half a block up before I find a clear park bench. TK hands me a wad of bills, and I run across the stalled traffic into a Spanish market, then return with two bottles of water and two of the mango-flavored sports drinks she likes. TK looks a little better. Her eyes don't cross when she looks at me anymore, and her cheeks are beginning to redden. I spin the cap off one of the mango drinks and push it into her hands. She swallows half of the stuff and closes her eyes. I was dead, wasn't I? I think so. Yes. You killed me. I didn't do it on purpose. You grabbed my arm. I was panicked. You still killed me. I drop into the seat beside her and begin to sob. TK lets me blubber for a good ten minutes. But you brought me back, too, so I guess we're even. Jeez, Johnny, get a grip. I forgive you, okay? Come on. She rubs my back, and I realize that Team Shikaragaki is my real family now because even though I just accidentally killed her with a touch, TK trusts me enough to touch me again, not ten minutes later. I lean over against her, sobbing, and bury my face against her chest. Johnny, you're making a scene. Come on. Getting control of myself takes more than a few minutes. 
When I was 11, my friends caught me kissing another boy in the school bathroom. They dragged him and me outside and beat on us, then knocked out two of my teeth. Someone called my mom and told her that I was gay, and that if I came to school again, they'd kill me. I didn't even know what gay meant. But I guessed it was bad, because anything anyone wants to kill you over is bad, right? His name was Tito, and we'd been, like, best friends since kindergarten. And after that, I wasn't allowed to talk to him anymore, ever. Mom put me into the only other school within walking distance, Metropolitan Christian Academy. It was okay for a while. Spanish Harlem has a lot of churches, so we always did the church thing, and I fit in okay at first. We never went to church, not even for weddings or funerals or stuff. TK finishes the mango drink and drops the bottle into the grass, then opens a water bottle. I'm starting to feel a little more like myself. Why are you telling me this, Johnny? It's not like I have something to hold over you or anything. This way I won't have any secrets left, and I won't have to panic about someone finding out. Besides, you wanted to know where I came from, and this is where I came from. We all have secrets. I don't want to carry this one around anymore. I figure I owe you an explanation anyway. It's hard enough being a super. It's worse when you're gay. It's even worse than worse when you're in love with your teammate. I thought, maybe, that I was having these feelings because of you at first. Or at least that you were making them worse, or amplifying them, or whatever. But when you were dead and I was panicking... The one person I wanted to swoop down and save me was Tam. And just thinking about him gave me the strength to go back and help you. It's real love. I mean, I really love him, and you don't have anything to do with it. Oh, Johnny, I don't know whether to be flattered or terrified. Love is heavy duty. Love is all there is, and fuck the consequences. What's Miss Jennifer going to say? What's Tam going to say? We sit in silence for a minute, until she says, I can take them away. The feelings for Tam, I mean, if that's what you want. Or I can mask them, or make them less... No. 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 See, my whole life has been about people thinking they can, or should, take away the parts of me that make them uncomfortable. I don't make you uncomfortable, do I? Are you kidding? When I was at Metropolitan Christian, they wanted to take part of me away. They told me I was wrong, that a demon had eaten my soul, and I was going to burn in hell. That my mom would burn in hell, too. But they could make me right again by chasing the demon away. TK cracks up laughing for a second, then wrestles herself to silence. Sorry, she says. I just had this vision of you with your head spinning around. Your mom went along with this? And why shouldn't she, right? They were going to fix me. And I wanted to be fixed. They were going to give her a perfect, normal, demon-free son. I never felt so alone in my entire life, but I figured if I could play along and pretend, then it was all good. I'd have friends again. I might even be able to be friends with Tito again. Mom would love me again, and then I wouldn't be alone anymore. Oh my god. But I manifested during the ceremony. I don't even remember how many I hurt. But it was dozens. Even my mother. I even heard her. I ran and ran. I didn't look the same as I do now. I still had hair when this all started. A big brown curly afro, you know? And I remember the ashes of it fluttering down around me like hot snow. And running and hiding. I couldn't go home or to school. I stayed in the park. I was too scared to eat or sleep. I had no money. No hair. 
I bet if anyone saw me, they thought I was a ghost or a space alien or something, because all I had to wear was the stupid rebirth robe. I'd never been so scared in my life. Well, until today. A police cruiser slides by, and we don't even draw a glance from the officers inside. When the cops finally caught me in the park, it took four of them and two tranquilizer darts to knock me down. Jeez, Johnny. I thought I got a raw deal, but... It turned out okay. I woke up with Jim Jaguar sitting beside my bed. Then I met Tam and you guys. And now, because I was careless, the thought makes me shiver, and I pull my knees up and try to curl up behind them on the bench. TK says, You don't have to be scared now, Johnny. I won't tell. I promise. And now, what if Miss Jennifer finds out? What if Tam finds out? What if the Union knows? Then what? That's why I try so hard to stay in character. I have to be this romantic ladies' man, smile at the girls, blow kisses, never break the role, because that's how I survive. Miss Jennifer will never make you change. You know that. Part of me does. And part of me remembers my mom singing along with the Reverend as they beat me black and blue with a wooden crucifix. You don't know Miss Jennifer, then. TK stands, and we start to walk towards Adam Comics. Maybe not. I don't know. Are you going to tell Tam how you feel? Of course not. We walk in silence for a few minutes. Why not? Because I don't want him to be uncomfortable. If he's uncomfortable, then he'll ask for transfer, or Miss Jennifer will send one of us away, or the Union will mess around inside my head to take away the only part of me I have left. No, I'll just keep playing Johnny Taruko the way I'm written and leave it at that. You won't, like, say anything, right? Oh, please. She stops and stares right into my eyes. You know I would never, ever do anything like that to you. Ever. This is our secret now, and I'm just as liable for it as you've been. I guess you can think of it like I'm taking some of the weight for you, right? Like I've got one end of the big heavy box, and you've got the other, and together we can carry it around pretty easily. I just help you lift. You tell us where to go. I reach out for her hand, and she doesn't hesitate before locking fingers within mine. Thanks. It's the least I can do. I mean, you did bring me back to life and all. We both laugh for the first time in hours. The Adam Comics building looms ahead, and we instinctively check the perimeter before approaching. When we're both sure it's clear, we cross the street and slip into the lobby. Miss Jennifer ushers us into one of the conference rooms upstairs before we even see Kitty or Tam. She closes the door and folds her arms. Well? We were arguing and it got out of hand. I started it, TK snaps. Johnny didn't mean to. I mean, I didn't know he was all charged up. I grabbed his arm and... and... TK struggles to throw Miss Jennifer off the scent of our real afternoon's adventures without using her abilities. Now she's carrying way more of the box than I am. It was an accident. But I'm fine now. Look, right? TK pats herself down. No harm, no foul. Once I get checked out at our next stop, you'll see. Miss Jennifer sighs, then gently rubs her temples. Wonderful. Excellent. Fan-freaking-tastic. She pauses. Tam and Kitty are having pizza upstairs. Go eat or something, and I'll try and find a way to get us out of this mess without a permanent ban from the New York Pyramid. You know they had medevac scrambled, right? You know I'm on the hook for the fuel and personnel, right? She slams her eyes closed. 
Adam Smasher is going to shit ice cream sandwiches when he sees the bill. We both walk to the door, but I stop after letting TK through to the hallway. I'll catch up with you. Save me a slice, okay? I try and wink, but she doesn't want to look at me. I whisper, I'm going to tell her. TK freezes. She answers in a whisper, Are you sure? I mean, I was there. Yeah, I think it's best that I do this alone, so I don't have to be alone anymore. I push TK out and close the door before turning to face Miss Jennifer. She says, I thought I told you to get out so I can clean up this mess. You did, but we have to talk first. I brace myself, then tell her about Tito and Brother Alfred's church and how I feel about Tam and about what happened to TK in the park. She lets me talk for a full ten minutes, then slowly raises her communicator gauntlet to her lips. Her voice is soft, measured, emotionless. TK, send Tam down with a couple slices for Johnny and me, will you? TK's voice hesitates over the gauntlet's little speaker. A sure thing. You can't help who you fall in love with, Johnny, and part of me really wants to think that most of what you're feeling can be blamed on TK and her current issues with control. I felt the... the same way about Tam when she was dead. Miss Jennifer closes her eyes and crosses her arms across her chest. I'm glad you came to talk to me about this. That took guts. More guts than most people have. You're my family. I shouldn't need this much courage to talk to my family. Miss Jennifer offers a subtle smile and barely perceptible nod. Our audience is prepubescent. Do you know what that means? It means they haven't even started to mature. They understand desire and love the same way they understand Team Shikaragaki shows. It's simple, black and white, and red-green-blue. Heartbreak lasts an episode, then fades away like melted ice cream. But you're real life, Johnny. And you have to understand the role you have, the roles we all have in Team Shikaragaki, and what it means to the kids, to Kitty and TK, and to Tam and me. She walks to the door and pulls it open. Tam is going to walk through that door with our pizza in about ten seconds. If you want to say anything to him, do it now. Because once he walks back to the others, this chapter in our collective lives, in the life of Team Shikaragaki, is over. I stand there with a tingle in my fingers. And if I don't tell him? That's the beauty and the curse of unrequited love, Johnny. It's ideal love because reality never ruins it. It's the one love that never succumbs to time, to betrayal, to growth, to death, or to disappointment. It's never rejected, or squandered, or lost. It's always, and perfect, and forever. I don't even have time to process her words when Tam enters with a huge pizza box balanced atop one massive hand. He's wearing the new costume, character-colored unitard accented with the other colors of Team Shikaragaki. A blue accent streak stretches across Tam's chest and over his heart. Special delivery, Tam says, and puts the box into my hands. I saved you a piece of mushroom and anchovy, Johnny. I know how you love fungus and gross little fish. I take the box and lay it on the conference table. I love you. I hope Tam can't see how bad my hands shake or hear the crackle in my voice. Tam laughs. Even his laugh is enormous. He swats me on the back, but his control is so good he barely moves me. 
My skin tingles at just the thought of his touch. Everybody loves a guy with a pizza. He pauses after a second when I don't laugh it up and says, You okay, man? You look all pale and shaky. Just hungry. So hungry I'm dizzy. I flip the box lid open, revealing four orphan slices. I hoist a triangle of floppy, lukewarm mushroom and anchovy until it crosses both palms. I let just a little current flow until steam rises from the electrically heated cheese. I'll be okay. I pause and chew slowly, then swallow. Tam stares at me. His eyes are so big and warm and filled with utter obliviousness. I force a big Johnny Taruko smile. It's time to survive. I slug him on the enormous rock-hard shoulder and say, I'm perfect, Tam. Perfect. Everything's perfect now. And that was our story. I'm going to resist temptation this week and just leave it there without commentary, because anything I'd say to interpret this one just seems trite to me. You don't need my context. You can decide for yourself what the story means to you. Besides, I have bigger news. I've been going crazy trying to keep quiet about this one, but they finally told me I can talk about it. So, a while ago, I was contacted by Doug Neighbors, one of the producers for the TV show Monk. He and his associate, Darren Bell, have optioned the TV and film rights for the Union News universe from Jeff DeRigo, and they're pushing hard to pitch this as a major television series. This is not a far-out theoretical. They've hired concept artists who've worked on stuff like Farscape and Fallout. Darren Bell was a visual effects producer on Watchmen. They're putting this in front of agents and writers and studios, and at the core of their pitch is the fact that Union Dues already has an existing fan base thanks to this podcast. I got to contribute a paragraph or two about this myself. So, the project is real. That's not the same as, yes, there will be a series. A lot of cool stuff gets pitched in Hollywood and goes nowhere. But it could happen. And they're asking for your participation and feedback. There's a site being developed at 1-800-GO-UNION.COM, and you can follow Union of Supers at Twitter. And, of course, you can comment on our forums. Doug asked me to tell you that they welcome any fan art, suggestions, favorite characters, and, most importantly, comments on the following question. This is a direct quote. Historically, costumed hero shows have failed or have been perceived as juvenile camp. Why have they failed? What content-slash-story-slash-angle can Union Dues provide that other live-action superhero shows have not been able to? Although Heroes has been a commercial success, it has failed critically. We are pitching the series as the antithesis of this type of glossy, bubblegum hero fiction. I'll have more to say about this later on, I'm sure. And, by the way, just to make clear, their option is with Dorigo. If this succeeds, he makes money. Escape Artist doesn't stand to benefit financially from this at all. It would be good publicity, but mostly I'm promoting this because it would be so damn cool. If you agree, help spread the word. Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed on a Creative Commons attribution non-commercial no derivatives license. All other rights are reserved by our authors, which I think we just covered. If you like this week's story, please tell a friend or blog about us. And did I mention 1-800-GO-UNION.COM? And if you can, please consider donating via the PayPal link at our site, escapepod.org. Also check out our sister podcasts, Pseudopod for Horror and Podcastle for Fantasy at their .org domains. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from Robert Louis Stevenson, 
who said, To know what you prefer, instead of humbly saying amen to what the world tells you you ought to prefer, is to keep your soul alive. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. <laughs>